Hello and welcome to Robots in Your Eyes, a podcast looking at Saturday morning cartoons through the eyes of people now way older than the intended target audience, but still captivated by those glorified toy adverts that we love so much. In a slight break from the norm, I'm Jason Thompson. I'm Stephen Alexander. And I'm Steve Walker. Welcome, Steve, to Robots in Your Eyes. Pleasure to have you on board. And in a bigger change from normal, we're not talking about Transformers today. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) We are talking about a very similar franchise. One that is so similar that many people have decided it's a cheap knockoff of Transformers. I want to scotch that one right from the off. It's not. The toy line actually arrived on the shelves before the Transformers did, but it has to be said their marketing strategy wasn't as good as Hasbro's. We are, of course, talking about the GoBots. The GoBots. So, yeah, so GoBots are something that I think we're all familiar with from our childhoods as the toy you got for Christmas that just didn't fit in with the Transformer range that was a bit different and a bit strange. I don't know, Steve, what, what do you think? What's your first memory of a GoBot? My first memory of a GoBot is is buying a Psycho in Woolworths. I bought a couple of Transformers figures and thought, oh, that's new. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, whereas a lot of the larger Transformer figures, uh, the transformation sequence was quite complex. With the GoBots, it was sometimes a twist and pull and you were done. Yeah. There was very little to take it from its alt mode into its robot mode. To be fair, some of the smaller Transformers were equally simplistic in their transformation mode. Fold out the legs, pop the arms out, bingo, there you go, no, you're, you're done. You're absolutely right. But the GoBots range was intended to be very similar to the Transformers Minibots range. They were supposed to be small toys that kids could pick up with their pocket money. So I think, I think one of the important words you used there, Jason, was the word kids. Yes. Some of the larger Transformer figures were slightly more complex. So you needed to be a bit older and be a little bit more dexterous. So I think that the GoBots were aimed at a younger target market. I think that's probably fair to say, yes. As I said before, the GoBot toy line appeared in shops the year before the Transformers did, but they didn't really have the same marketing nous as Hasbro did because they didn't have a unified branding across the world. So it was confusing the hell out of people in Britain because you watched the GoBots cartoon, but you went and bought the Robo Machines toys. They had two factions. They had the good guys and the bad guys, but they didn't bother with faction symbols so that you could tell which was which. You just had to kind of guess that and figure it out from the cartoon. Yes, it's interesting you mentioned about them being different robots on different sides and not really lined up in the way that they did it, obviously, in Transformers, where you got the Jets and Megatron, and then you got the cars, who are mainly Autobots. In this one, you've got those robots where they're cars and the passenger compartment turns into the head. So you've got this odd thing where you've got a sort of head that doesn't really have a face... And that is that is one of the strange toys that I had as a kid. But watching this cartoon just now, they turn up on both sides. So both sides seem to have the passenger car head versions of the GoBots. And it, that is kind of confusing. And also, I had no idea that toy was a GoBot until about three hours ago when he turned <laughs> up in the cartoon. It was a bit of a shock because he wasn't labelled right. So... There's a lot of memories from mm, 35, 37 years ago that are kind of buried and have come back to life watching what we just have. It's been very strange. 
Yeah, I mean those cars that transformed, they were the they were called Super Gobots because they were a bit bigger. They were about the size of a standard size transformer, but they had four of them that were different cars but with exactly the same transformation. So you had like a Volkswagen Beetle and you had a Porsche and then you had another one that was slightly different and one that was a futuristic car. The GoBots fell into sort of three categories. You had Earth vehicles, you had futuristic alien vehicles, and you had monsters. But again, apart from the monsters usually being the renegades, the bad guys, there was no division between the two sides as to who got what. And there was no explanation given as to why they even had Earth modes in the first place. It's not like Transformers where they arrived on Earth and were converted to Earth vehicles to blend in. Here they just always had those modes. But anyway, we have indeed, as Steve said, just sat down and watched some GoBots. The one we watched was a compilation called the GoBotron Saga, which is edited together from a five-episode miniseries with lots of continuity issues, which we'll come to later. <laughs> uh, but it was great for me, very nostalgic, because it was one that I had when I was a kid, and I watched it so many times. It was good to see it again uh, when I acquired it on eBay a couple of weeks ago. And for me, it was one of those things where you've seen something many, many years ago, and you think... If I watch it back now, it's going to look terrible. It's going to be absolute rubbish. No, for me, it was as enjoyable as when I was seven years old watching it. I don't know what you guys thought of it. I'm sure we'll find out in the next however long it takes us to go through it. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the expression on your face says you have thoughts. <laughs> Not all bad. Not all bad, I have to say. Well, that's very good. What about you, Steve? I really enjoyed it. It was an hour and a half of rampant silliness, but it was fun, it was enjoyable. <laughs> it was a different perspective for me because I, I've i been Transformers all the way. I've never, I never really bothered with the GoBots. So yeah, it was quite an enjoyable little experience. That's good to know. I was very much both. I was very much on the fence when I was a kid. I had Transformers. I had GoBots. I loved them both equally. I didn't care. So this was great. Yeah. The cartoon must have been on TV. When was it on? It was on more or less contemporaneously with the Transformers cartoon. Bandai, who were the brand owners for the GoBots, got wind of the fact that Hasbro was also marketing a transforming toy line. Uh, and they were going to make a cartoon series to basically advertise it. And they thought, well, we're going to get left in the dust if we don't do the same. So they did the same. Didn't quite take off in the same way for various reasons. So the GoBots cartoon actually came on, I think the first episode in the US at least, was transmitted about three months after the first episode of the Transformers. Mm. So they're very much contemporary in terms of the toy line and the cartoon series. Yeah, and it's very much like the uh, VHS versus Betamax battle, isn't it? <laughs> you know, you got the, the the quality the quality choice that came out a bit later, or you know, the mass produced version. Which one came out on top? Which is better? The argument is unresolved today. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get straight into the episode. As I said, this is a compilation. It's actually made up of five episodes that were edited together to form a VHS release. In terms of the continuity and where it fits in the series, that's a bit of a sticking point because GoBot's continuity was terrible. There was a five-episode miniseries to begin the show. Then this five-episode miniseries makes perfect sense if you consider it taking place straight after the original one but it was actually aired as episode 41 or so of the series. So all the characters that are introduced in this episode have already shown up in the series by this point. It's very bizarre, very difficult to reconcile. 
So at the beginning, the first episode is called Cycle's Escape, which gives you a bit of a hint as to what's about to happen. So all the renegades, these are the bad guys in the GoBots franchise, are imprisoned on a moon of Gobatron, their home planet, and they're going to go to trial, but Cycle manages a breakout. Yeah, so the very first thing we see is Gobatron, isn't it? What did you think of Gobatron? It was very much a, a slightly more battle-scarred Cybertron. And it reminded me very much of an Apple core. Yeah. It's it's an interesting design. It's slightly... Because Cybertron's just a metal planet, but Gobatron's got like a little round core in the middle and then bits coming out mm. of it. And it all looks kind of weird and alien in a way. Well, Cybertron looks really alien as well. I think... Thinking about the names as well, I, and this is my my personal bias, I think about the name Gobatron, I think, oh, that's so generic. Why are they doing that? It's so unimaginative. And I think about Cybertron, I think, oh, that's so clever. Oh, I love Cybertron. So, yeah, that does show my bias a little bit. But, it um, does a bit. <laughs> yeah, just a Cy- Cybertron is just as generic <laughs> as Gobatron. In fact, it's even more generic because Cyber isn't connected to Transformers at all. At least Gobatron is named after the Gobots. Well, uh, or are the Gobots <laughs> named after Gobatron? <laughs> Shall I just shut up? <laughs> Yes, let's do that. So, <laughs> so but before this, we must have had other episodes. So I take it the, the characters actually have a proper introduction in previous episodes because we kind of dumped into it here. About half a dozen of them do. Mm. So the main characters on this series are always Leader One and Cycle, the leader yep. of the good guys and the bad guys. Got them. And on the good guys' side, you had Turbo and Scooter. I had Scooter, the toy, and he was great. I had Scooter. <laughs> Did you have Scooter? No, I did not have uh, a Scooter. I didn't have a Scooter. I had a Scooter. And on the bad guy side, it was Copter and Crasher. And these guys appear in the opening title sequence. They were the main characters. Everyone else just kind of popped up whenever they were needed. And in the first episodes in particular, the first line of dialogue usually involved them being referred to by name for no reason other than we need to make sure everyone knows what their names are. So <laughs> that's a bit clunky, but it works. To be honest, from my perspective... There was a bit of that in this, but not enough. (laughs) I wanted more of that. Yeah. (laughs) On the way to the prison moon is a Guardian Command Centre, which is just their their ship that they use to get around, which also has four legs and looks a bit like a cheap at-at. And on the command centre are three humans, Nick, Matt and AJ, who have fallen in with the GoBots. And we met them in the first episodes. An interesting one, unlike the Transformers... In the GoBots storyline, the GoBots have announced themselves to the world and the world has gone, maybe we should cooperate with you. And they've got a whole defence thing called Unicom, which works with the GoBots and has landing areas specifically set up for their ships and all sorts of things. Compared to the Transformers, where everyone knows they're there, Mm. but no one's really working with them as such. Do we like having human characters on board, or these human characters specifically? Yes. Yes, you do. I do, although it has to be said they don't really do very much in terms of getting the plot moving. Usually in Transformers, Spike, Sparkplug and Chip actually have some contribution to the plot. It just seemed in this case that Matt, AJ and Nick were kind of there. They did occasionally point out something that was happening. Like, look, that spaceship is crashing. Oh yeah, they did. But uh, AJ is not clear straight from the name. AJ is female. Several of the GoBots are in fact female and therefore in terms of representation the GoBots has already scored much higher than the Transformers which 
explicitly referred to all the Transformers as male until they met Alita 1 and RC and characters like that. And another aspect of that is that, of course, the animation style in Transformers, when they did bring female robots in, they all had very stereotypically feminine curves to them. Whereas in the GoBots, all the GoBots look like big robots. They just happen to have some female ones. I think the only concession they made to femininity on a few of them was giving them lipstick, basically. <laughs> yeah, because we had uh, Pathfinder, didn't we, who, who's just got the, the generic sort of like visor and face mask, and you can't see anything at all, but has a female voice. Yep. And that is really great. And why couldn't the Transformers have done that a bit more? I, I don't know. I, do, do you approve, approve of the female characters? Yeah, yeah. Um, I bit of contra- controversy here. I kind of like the idea of having a feminine character have a feminine shape. Okay, but they worked. The the female voiced GoBots worked, and it really didn't matter whether they you know had the lipstick or anything. <laughs> it just, it just seemed to work. Yeah, it gives it a bit more variety and depth. Mm. I think, and and. and Personally, I'm kind of I can see the point that the feminine characters on Transformers are kind of over skinny and feminized or whatever, and there's some difference. But I think there should be room for both types. There mm. should be room for like the Crusher, who's very boxy. There's RC, who is not very boxy, but just having that kind of mix makes it better. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, again, not best qualified to talk about this. But I did, Crasher was the standout character for me by a long mile. She was incredible. Always loved Crasher. She was fantastic. The laugh, which I'm not even going to try and reproduce, I'll get a sound bite. Be sure to mark your social calendars, everybody. You have a date with a She is brilliant. I love Crasher. She's absolutely one of the best characters on the series. So while they're escaping, Crasher and Copter and all the others also escape. Scooter and Nick get separated and they end up being transported to a different moon of Gobatron, which has lots of historical records, which is handy because it fills in some of the backstory about the Gobots, who originally were very much humanoid. So this is not a case of sentient robots evolving on a metal planet as in Transformers or Primus creating them or whatever the origin story of Transformers is depending on which media you consume I think Um, it was basically a humanoid population and they had a bit of a battle which ended up trashing the planet making it almost uninhabitable and the last engineer saved them by inventing gobot bodies into which the brains could be transplanted so these are Humanoid brains inside transforming robot bodies. Which is great. I really like that. I think that's very interesting and different. So they're more... They're not quite cyborgs, are they? Because that means something very specific. But they are humanoid brains in robot bodies. Mm. This is what really bugged me about the story in general. Is that, firstly... I either looked away or was up getting pizza and I missed exactly how Scooter and Nick Nick got transported to the other moon. Did you catch that? Yes, I did. You did. Okay, how did they get transported to the other moon? They, they accidentally triggered something. There was like there was this what Nick thought was a disembodied robot head. Yeah. And as he tugged on it, he realized it was still connected to some cables. Yeah. So he thought 
we, we haven't got time to take that, put it down. So Nick put it down, and the eyes on the head started to glow. And they were both Nick and Scooter are then hit with a kind of laser beam thing, which is some sort of teleport ray. And they end up on what I mistakenly heard as being called the, the moon of nudge. But it was in actual fact called the moon of... Knowledge. <laughs> Knowledge. <laughs> which made more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So this business where they're finding out about the history of Gobatron, the Gobots don't remember that. Is that right? They don't remember that they are human brains in robot bodies. They they know it, but what they yeah. don't know is what happened to the last engineer. Yes. Okay. Who actually saved them in the first place. Keep up. But they have discovered his last message where he says he's actually set up a survival chamber on Antares 3 and that's where he is. They need to go and find the last engineer because in the process of trying to stop Psykill's breakout, Turbo, one of the main characters, was critically injured when he was blasted and left to freeze to death on the dark side of the moon. The prison moon of Gobatron, that is. And when he's revived and thawed out, he promptly collapses, apparently with a very high temperature. Yeah, okay. Which is odd but okay <laughs> robo flu robo flu could be but he's critically ill and if they don't find a miracle he's done for so they decide well he'll get a miracle we'll go and find this last engineer and that's exactly what they do yeah so they head off in their exciting spaceship uh what, what did you think of the spaceships or well jason said they reminded him of atsts i saw a space camel Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. when, when, when they when they're sort of flying along, the legs are folded up, and as soon as the legs come down, yes, it's very it is very AT, but it's also giant space giant robot space camel. Yeah, I, and the kind of nose also gives that effect as well. Yeah, it's that sort of long protruding. It, look, it does look like a beast of burden of some mm. kind. Yeah, with a big red canopy over yeah. the cockpit. And I know you could buy... They, there were toys of those, weren't there? There were. Yeah. And they had a robot face underneath. So the yeah. idea was you'd stand them up and they were basically also transform into robots. Except, of course, it's a bit rubbish because it just basically <laughs> sits on its backside and opens up and it's got a command centre. And they were advertised as something that you could carry your GoBots in. But they didn't have anywhere for you to conveniently slot them in. So you could carry them, but you basically just chucked them in, closed the doors and let them rattle around in there, (laughs) chipping off all the paint on the die-cast metal and ruining them for future generations. Oh, how the GoBots suffer. Oh, they do. (laughs) They do suffer. They do. I mean, that was one thing about the GoBots as well compared to the Transformers. There's a lot more die-cast metal in the toys than in the Transformers. They're quite chunky, but they're also quite flimsy in many ways. I mean, many of them had... A transformation that involved you just sort of pulling the legs out. So after you'd done that two or three times, they loosened up a bit and you tried to stand them up and they'd lean oddly to one side <laughs> as one of the legs started to slide up. So yeah, so they are they they want to save Turbo's life, which is fine. And presumably they have more we see later they've got more than one command centre. But uh, as leader one, and you know, I criticize Optimus Prime for his poor leadership. I'm gonna criticize leader one because the priority should have been the fact that Every single of the Renegade GoBots had just escaped. For me, you know, you send a side group out to deal with Turbo and you deal with the prison break there and then. I'm very disappointed in Leader One and he's only done one thing so far. I think that's fair enough, yes. (laughs) I mean, yeah, we'll go and save Turbo. Never mind all those evil Renegades escaping over there. That's fine. We'll worry about those later. 
One of the things I did find entertaining was that this one dared to tackle a common sci-fi trope in a way that Star Trek never did, because the Renegades use stealth devices, which render their ships invisible, which is a fantastic tactical advantage, and quite a lot of the episodes ended up with the Renegades turning their ships invisible to retreat. Better than Megatron's plans, which involve temporary bases that look like giant mountains on rockets. <laughs> but there we go. But the first time they use a stealth device in this episode, they turn the ship invisible and immediately it's collided with by the command centre that's heading out to get the last engineer. Because, of course, they can't see it. Which, you know, always used to think in Star Trek when you had fleets of cloaked Klingon ships, how do they not fly into each other if they can't be... They can't detect each other on sensors or anything like that. How do they not fly into each other? So, yeah, that was a, a fun aside. That always made me laugh, that bit. So that was... End of part one, basically. We get a, a fade to black. And it's not a bad little episode on its own, but it's very definitely the beginning of a bigger story. Yes, there's definitely more to come. Were you hooked at the end of the first episode? Yes. Yes. Oh, good. Yes, I was. I was very hooked. And I was quite excited to see what was going to happen in the second episode. And then there was the bit as the command ship was entering the atmosphere of this mysterious alien world. And there was this odd bit with a cloud that had like some monstrous face. And hands and tentacles. Yeah. It was, it was bizarre. It, it was, oh, that, that looks interesting. But it wasn't. <laughs> no, it's just a weird bit for a couple of minutes and then yeah. it's never heard of again. And then it's just like, very bizarre. The command ship was landed and there was some sort of flame engulfing it, and that had a bit of a monstrous face, and then that amounted to nothing either. Yeah, it was very odd, that little section on Antares 3, I thought. The, these the other mysteries of Antares 3 that would probably... Yeah, you, you want it to be explored in a bit more detail, but it's never going to be. No, no. It, it never is. But they go and find the last engineer, or they look for the last engineer. Leader 1 takes Matt a human, I'm going to criticise Leader One, of all the people he could take with him, taking Matt, a fragile human, onto an alien world where he doesn't know what they're going to encounter. Ugh. And they go into this dormant volcano where they find a gate guarded by a strange green monster robot thing. Yeah. And you know what else he does? He makes Matt carry a torch, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he does. And later we see that the GoBots do have... Well, Scooter certainly has a torch coming out the top of his head. Yeah. Uh, and presumably as a fighter jet, he might have some kind of lights. But no, Matt, carry your own torch. <laughs> yeah. Leader One turns into an F-15, much like Starscream and all the other jets do in Transformers. A slightly less detailed, more boxy, toy-like F-15. Hanna-Barbera, who did the animation for the GoBots, didn't take quite the same approach as the Transformers cartoon. They didn't bother creating slightly more aesthetically pleasing robot modes that worked better. They just went... Yeah, the toy one will do. So they've got some very toy-accurate animations, even to the point where they've animated Scooter with the metal pegs that hold his arms on. Yes, but there are some advantages to that because they don't... Uh, it's like the whole Optimus Prime trailer suddenly appearing out of nowhere. Nobody massively changes size when they transform. They're all yep. roughly the same size, so that makes sense. It's a little bit more logical. But the animation is... It's just not as pleasingly realistic as Transformers. As much as Transformers is only moderately realistic, the, the animation's just like that. Psykill's face in particular, with his horrible yellow teeth, <laughs> and and the way his face is kind of done, and he's got like bits on his, his, his side, 
and it's animated too much like Fred Flintstone for my taste. That, that's what he reminded me of. So the animation, there's some good stuff. There's stuff that looks really good. But because I'm so familiar of, of Hanna-Barbera cartoons being cheap and tacky, that the facial animations are done in the same way, and I found that off-putting. I don't know... What, did, you, did you enjoy the animations? Was there anything you picked up the, on it? The animation was was very, very much Hanna-Barbera. The humans were very typical human face animation from most of the Hanna-Barbera cartoons. It wasn't as clean as the animation in Transformers. No, it was it was much more simplistic in style, which in some respects is beneficial because it doesn't have too much complicated stuff going on especially the transformations of the characters they generally were very accurate to the toys as well they folded up in the same way etc no bits appeared as as steve said it was fairly consistent though across the episodes yeah and i don't want to i don't want to slate it because it was it was fun it was good but there are little bits of it that i found off-putting that's and again, it's Transformers bias. That's that's where I'm coming from. Fair enough. So what on earth what, what on earth's going on at this point? So they've gone down to find the last engineer in this cave, and it's Leader One and Matt, and they find a, a door with a bug on it, don't they? Some kind of bug. They do, yeah, a big green monster bug. And then the volcano erupts. Of course. Which leads us to one of the unfortunate things that looking at these things as an adult gives you the perspective on because as a kid you don't think about it and as an adult you know that the line is actually pretty reasonably accurate but it is hard not to snigger when a character says i just scorched my flaps a little (laughs) (laughs) now in context this is a character that is an aeroplane so actually he's just escaped from molten lava so that's quite a reasonable and technically accurate thing to say however (laughs) highlight highlight of the hour and a half i think for me (laughs) (laughs) but the weird thing about this whole volcano erupting is that it's all essentially padding because they escape from the lava then they go back into the volcano and they find the last engineer in some kind of weird tomb with a big glass cover and a slight weird eerie glow on it there's a man lying there in suspended animation I'm sure I've seen lots of people lying in glass tombs like that on all kinds of sci-fi shows. I just can't think of any examples off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, can I? It's frustrating, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> I can think. I, I can think a thousand times. He's he's sleeping in a glass coffin. Oh, uh, Doctor Who, Dragonfire. Oh, yes, yes. There's one. Of that'll course, do. there's one. That will do. Got any? Alien. Alien glass coffins. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Of course. And, and I think in in the sequel, Aliens. In yep. Aliens. They're in glass coffins. Actually, they do that all the time. I just watched Alien Covenant, and they were doing that again. It's just like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. But the green bug has a friend, and there's a bit of a fight. There's a lot of fighting going on. Yeah, who's who's in the fight? So initially, it's Leader One and Matt who are attacked and stunned by two characters who don't actually get names at this point, but later on are named as Scorp and Vamp, who turn into weird alien creature things. Scorp cunningly turns into some sort of robotic monster scorpion and i don't think we see the alternate mode for vamp it's a weird flying ufo thing and that's actually pretty much what the toy description is alien monster ufo or something like that so yeah it is just a weird flying thing and it's a bit of a fight and they lock up leader one and matt and then the other guardians come to rescue them and there's another fight and they're outnumbered so they retreat 
and they fall for the oldest trick in the book when they try and use Leader One and Matt as hostages because they open the door, they go in, and Leader One suddenly sits up and zaps them with his fist blasters. It's another thing about GoBots. They have their blasters in their hands. They don't have guns that appear randomly like Transformers. That's quite fun. I'd, I'd rather like that. I, I, I did like this bit as well because it's, it's Matt and Leader One who are in the prison together and Leader One's lying down and we see a scene where he tries to get up and then he doesn't get up and then he says oh no they're coming we've got to think of a really cunning plan (laughs) (laughs) a really a plan of such insane brilliance and genius that they'd never be able to guess it I'm going to lie down and shoot them when they come in (laughs) (laughs) pretend to be unconscious because that's been done many times before Don't knock it, it works. It does work. Very effective, yeah. <laughs> so having overcome these uh, these two monster renegade creatures, they revive the last engineer, who conveniently has just the right equipment to repair Turbo. Yeah. Did you have any suspicions about the last engineer? I did, actually, yes. From the get-go? Yes. What um, was it that made you suspicious? It was the long hair and the, the, the sort of reddish look to his face. And the evil robot eye. <laughs> Are you just prejudiced against people with evil robot eyes, Steve? <laughs> I, I No, because I've never actually met anybody with an evil robot eye. And I'm sure that if I did, I'd give them a fair crack of the whip until they revealed their evil cunning plan. <laughs> yes, if, if I did meet someone like that, I'd have that moment of, oh my God, and then I would say, <laughs> I would hide it and I'd deal with it internally <laughs> and then treat them with respect and without prejudice that's how you deal with this kind of thing unless of course you asked them if they were planning on becoming an evil overlord <laughs> yeah if that was on the table yeah yeah, yeah that, that might be a bit of a problem yeah. yeah but it is kind of like it. so they found the last engineer but the fact that he repairs turbo and is very nice about it kind of takes the suspicion off him because when they first revive him it's like just kill him he's evil <laughs> um, but but no no well, I, I have an issue with the reviving of Turbo or the curing of Turbo as well because it basically seemed that, that, that the way to cure Turbo was to drop him in a hole, expose him to some extreme heat, get him to fly around a bit and he was fine. Yeah, and when they drop him in the hole he seems to land on a big pile of muffins or <laughs> some kind of weird energy, 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 energy muffins. Of some description. Yeah. It was very odd, wasn't it? Yeah. Hmm. It was a very bizarre little... And it's just that exact piece of equipment just yeah. happened to be there in this dormant volcano with the last engineer. Uh, Very I'll strange. I'll tell you, what, it's no wonder the GoBots never thought of doing that because I wouldn't have thought chucking him in a hole and zapping him with this weird energy wouldn't have occurred to me. No, wouldn't have mm. occurred to me either. Mm. So when they're very grateful, of course, they take the last engineer onto the command centre because he's rather hungry and they feed him. <laughs> And he wants to see Gobatron again. You don't see humans eating in Transformers, do you? They don't get hungry or go to the loo. Oh, but it was weird that you got the humans sitting down at the table having a food and the Gobots were all sitting down at the table as well. So, <laughs> And he, each of them had like this weird salt or pepper pot yeah. next to them. I always assumed that it was con- it contained some kind of mineral oil or something that they would consume that would help to lubricate their functions or something <laughs> along those lines. That's what I always assumed when I was a kid. And I think that's reasonable. Well, they all sit down and have a nice meal together. It's very nice, isn't it? Yes. Uh, he's, he's all very chummy with them and everything. But then Cycle appears in a thruster, which is the renegade ship. Big 
blue brick, basically. <laughs> a big chunky thing, which I rather, I rather like. I think they're pretty cool. And he demands that they hand over the last engineer. And the Guardians say, nope, never. At which point, the last engineer pulls out a gun and says, not even if he wants to go, and reveals that the suspicions that you had about him were well-founded. <laughs> So hang on, Cycle. There is a bit where Cycle finds out they're going for the last engineer, isn't it? Earlier yes. on, yes. So the plot does actually hang together at this point. It is hanging together more or less, yes. Good. So yeah, he wants the last engineer, but it's not the last engineer, and he reveals he is in fact the master renegade, the leader of the renegades way back in history, who started the whole war in the first place. And what I really love about this bit is, <laughs> while he's doing this and pointing a gun at the guardians. Cycles on the communicator screen in the background with a huge eating grin on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Smiling broadly. I'm going to have to put the fusion cannon sound over that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. So, yeah, the last engineer has pulled out a gun and he shot Smallfoot, one of the Guardians. Smallfoot, yeah, it's one of the, yeah. gu- one of the Guardians we care about. Yes, absolutely. Oh, we do care one about main, Smallfoot. One of the main Guardians is Smallfoot um, and another one who is female and she turns into a flatbed pickup truck. Bright red one. There's a lot of red cars and vehicles on the Cobots, I noticed. Is that because red ink is cheap? Or red paint, because it would have been based on the toy. I I found that a bit difficult, actually, the sheer number of reds on both sides. This must be what it's like for people who watch Transformers the first time, around about episode 10, when everyone's been introduced. It's like, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Ah. I'm just no whatever. <laughs> but I was I was I was able to pick out the main characters so Turbo, Scooter, Leader 1, Cycle, Crasher and Copter were all very clear and very well defined and everyone else was just kind of a bit sort of like yeah they're part of the gang. So. Yeah. Yeah. I how familiar would you say you are with the with the Cobot hierarchy? Not at all. Oh, I, no, I no, knew yeah. that Leader 1 was the leader of the good guys. I couldn't remember they, that they were called Guardians, and I knew that Cy Kill was leader of the bad guys. I did kind of go with the fact that the leader of the bad guys was called Cy Kill. Bit of a giveaway that he's probably bad with a name that's got the word kill in it. But that's about it. I wasn't particularly familiar with the, the GoBots on the whole. Mm. Yeah, I think Psycho's actually it's because it's like that mix of Psycho and Kill and mm. all that kind of is, and he turns into a motorbike like Easy Rider, and he's very yeah. he's very tough looking. Well, Psycho no, actually he could he could actually be a bit tougher looking to be honest. He could be a bit more spiky and I don't know. I I love I like Psycho yeah. as a I like him as a character as leader one bit of rubbish leader puts people in danger all the time gets worse later we'll come to that oh have we had the bit where he's got Matt in his cockpit and he transforms and he says it's too dangerous for you to get around and he's walking around with Matt in the cockpit going ah yes <laughs> yeah that was at the beginning where he landed on the far side of the prison moon and transforms and Matt's like help let me out first but like, no you'll freeze if I do that and Matt is upside down inside what is now leader one's chest <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned it that that's an issue I did have with the whole thing of the human companions when leader one was in aircraft mode and Matt was sat in the cockpit, He it looked almost as if he was controlling Leader One. But surely Leader One doesn't need a pilot. Oh. So, yep. was that, that just for, for sort of aesthetics? I, I'm going to... Are, are we going on the whole thing that Matt was just pretending to fly Leader One, just pretending to be like... So as he was 
Top Gun or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, in, in the narrative, I'm going to go with Leader One puts some controls in there to make him feel better. Because <laughs> in the narrative, Matt is an astronaut. Mm. That's how they meet him in the first place. Yeah. So I think Leader One sort of put some controls in there so that he'd feel like he had some actual purpose. On the other hand, if it was the case that Leader One needed Matt to be able to fly in his airplane mode, that would be really cool. I mean, the humans had a reason to be there. As opposed to the actual case, which is like, I don't know, they just invite the humans along. They're just there. They're just there. <laughs> They're just there. Because we need humans. Yeah. We need we don't we need audience identification figures, don't we? <laughs> Where have we got to? What on earth is happening? Crasher boards the command centre to escort the Master Renegade back and Turbo shoots her and she and the Master Renegade get thrown back into their little shuttle and jettisoned from the command centre and the command centre escapes. Yeah. The animation of Crasher and the Master Renegade being blasted back into the other spaceship is bizarre and hilarious and brilliant. Yes. It is <laughs> really weird. Really, It's like they're falling down a well <laughs> <laughs> and bouncing around and all sorts. It's just, it, it's one of those things where you think, what what are they what are they going for here? Were there any other sort of animation bits that you thought were particularly of note that caught your eye that were particularly weird? There was a moment where Turbo was falling down some sort of chasm, and you, you see like the typical wily e. coyote falling down the chasm, puff of dust at the end <laughs> of the bottom. But then it's revealed that Turbo didn't actually reach the bottom of the chasm because he kind of lands on the side up near the surface and it's the bit where Le- where Cycle throws the bit of electronic cable and says, here, grab hold of this and then shocks Turbo. Yeah. It's like, what happened there? <laughs> he did fall for a very long time. It's yeah. like... There's a pacing to this that we all know. We know if you're falling down a chasm, you fall for this long. But he fell for this long. Which is longer than you'd expect. Yeah, I, th- I thought that that was strange as well. But yeah, yes, there's more weirdness strange. to come. Yeah, that was, <laughs> oh, yeah. that was very weird. So the Guardians go back to Gobatron and explain, yeah, that last engineer who was going to save everybody turned out to actually be the really, really bad guy. We kind of cocked it up. (laughs) And the Guardian Council is horrified that Gobatron is doomed now because apparently the fact that this bloke has turned up is terrible. Whole armies of renegades, no bother, but this one bloke, now now we're screwed. Well, that's a bit of weird animation that caught my eye. In fact, (laughs) I paused it to show you guys and make sure you saw it because they pan across the Guardian Council. And it's just a bunch of generic robot heads, including one with a pink face, buck teeth and huge square eyes on little stalks that looks so bizarre. Who the hell drew him? Who animated that guy? That's really weird. Fortunately, we never see him again. But even when I was like seven years old watching this video, I remember looking at it going, the hell's that? (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. It was almost, you know, not, not only is the council horrified, but some of the artwork here for them is horrifying. <laughs> yeah, they're a right bunch of goons, the council. No wonder Gobatron is having all these trouble with renegades and all sorts going on. But here we are introduced to the modifier, which is an important piece of kit because it's the thing that the Gobots go through that allows them to transform. And they put Smallfoot through to fix her after she'd been shot by the Master Renegade. Yeah, it's sort of like a, a tunnel made out of a series of arches with sort of glass glowing effects in between it. 
and you go in one end and there's lots of energy effects and you come out the other end and suddenly you're better and you can transform again. And they do actually say transform a lot. That really yeah. surprised me. I think there's one point where Crasher says convert, but they are all saying it all the time. And the other odd thing is that these days, even the Transformers can't say transform anymore, can they? They always say convert because... I don't know why. Something to do with registered trademarks. It's very confusing. But somehow the Master Renegade enables Psykill to launch a full-scale assault on Gobatron with Rogue Star, their uh, absolutely huge hammerhead shark of a spaceship. Any ideas how that happened? How the Master Renegade helped them to start the revolution? No. No. Well, it's kind of alluded to in the dialogue, but it's another one of these things, as quite often happens in the Transformers, it takes approximately five minutes to make a major technological breakthrough and develop a new machine. Essentially, it seems that what Psykill has been able to do with the aid of the Master Renegade is upscale that little gun that he used that ruined Smallfoot's ability to transform ah. and use that on a bigger scale attached to Rogue Star. And during this assault, he uses that and zaps Leader One. Yes, because they're all running around on Gobatron and being chased and blasted by loads of stuff. And there's lots of lots of GoBots who turn up, who turn up, and I see them, and I think, oh my word, I had that one as a toy. Yes, that was a ri so there was the the one that turns into a jeep who's got the like uh, the, got the spare the tire on his spare head, tire, <laughs> spare tire head, stupid one. There's the one, the black one that turns into a train. Yes, that that. Do we know about that one? Yeah, his name was Loco. Loco, yes, Loco. Ah. Oh. See, this is I, I, this probably doesn't make for good podcast, but it's just like me going, "Oh no, that one!" Oh, and the bug one that we saw earlier. I'm sure I had that one, but it's just like ah. <laughs> I say memories from 37 years ago. Very, very strange. Did you see anyone in, like any of the background characters who were familiar? No, no, all sort of like strangers to you. Yeah, they, yeah. They, it 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 was completely alien to me because, like I say, I I I know I had Psykill. Fairly certain I had Leader One. I may have had a couple of other GoBots, but the one that I really started collecting, and I had three or four, were a sort of offshoot of the GoBots called the Rock Lords. And that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> I don't think we'll cover Battle of the Rock Lords in this podcast. I think we'll just gloss over that one because for some reason somebody doing a spin-off of the GoBots decided that it would be fantastic if these alien characters turned into large immobile rocks. Given the way that this cartoon goes, that doesn't actually surprise me. <laughs> I mean, uh, the things like that and the naming that we were talking about earlier, I think that's one of the other things that didn't quite take off with the GoBots. Because whereas in the Transformers you had Sunstreaker and Prowl and Sideswipe and Powerglide and Optimus Prime. I mean, Optimus Prime is the leader of the Autobots and that sounds awesome. The leader of the GoBots Guardians is called Leader One. <laughs> All imagination went into that, and bizarrely, there's a flashback episode that shows that he was always called Leader One, even before he was made Leader of the Guardian. So, oh. there, is there a Leader Two somewhere? I don't know. And, and what's the one who turns into a scooter called? Uh, oh, wait a minute, I know this. Uh, and scooter. The, and the one that turns into a copter. Um, isn't he called Copter? Yes. Yes, and there's one that turns into a tank, who, voiced by Peter Cullen. Voiced by Peter Cullen, indeed. And he's called Tank. Tank. 
Yeah, I was yeah. interesting looking at the credits list as, uh, for this as well. So who have we got who turns up in Transformers? Oh, Scooter is voiced by Frank Welker, doing a voice that's kind of a mixture of Nibbler from Futurama and Uni from Dungeons and Dragons. And Slimer from the Real Ghostbusters. He does yes. that voice as well. Oh, thank you. Because those are, uh, that's it's my triumvirate of irritating voices from cartoons. <laughs> and they're all Frank bloody welcome. And, Frank well- and, and Megatron is never, like, he's never irritating in that way. But his cute voice, I... And I think a lot of kids my age, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the guys will agree that actually... Uni's voice is incredibly irritating. Scooter's voice is like, mm-hmm, so cute. Uh, I don't know. Uh, do, do you find Scooter irritating? Or Absolutely. Is he right? oh, okay, good. <laughs> good, we're all in agreement. Scooter is incredibly irritating. Which is a shame because he is the he's the bumblebee of the group. He's the lead character. He's the, the little guy who can, who can do it. He's, and, he's, yeah. good. he's got a lot of good storylines in the series and apart from a couple of episodes where they forget he doesn't have blasters in his hands so he doesn't actually have any weapons of his own but he has a hologram projector instead which rather like Hound in the Transformers very few people actually cotton on to the holograms that he uses so yeah Scooter's voice is incredibly irritating but as a character he's actually pretty good <laughs> but Gobatron is in trouble Lots of command centres are crashing, Guardians are being shot at, and at one point Turbo, Smallfoot and Scooter are running away from a thruster that's firing at them and it blows a hole in the ground right in front of them and they drive straight into it. And Smallfoot and Turbo slam on their brakes and manage to halt and then Scooter does the... (laughs) flies across the frame at the top, crashes through something else and inside the hole that he's just blown in the wall... A strange hand starts to reach out. You, 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 you must have been getting pizza at this point. <laughs> no memory of this. <laughs> I don't remember the hand. Remember. Oh dear. Okay, no. Okay, fine. So, but I do remember Gobatron is in trouble, and you see a shot from space, and there's loads of smoke and fire coming off of Gobatron, and it's all going like you see Gobatron, and it's all going straight up from Gobatron. As though it was in an environment and gravity works in an odd kind of way. But yes. Yes. Which is that's just a childish thing to point out, isn't it? It's fine. Yeah. I mean, Doesn't if you matter. want to go down that road, the gravity on Gobatron would pull it, would, wouldn't sustain that apple core shape in the first place anyway. It would just collapse under its own weight. But, you know. Lovely. Let's not go down that road because we... No. <laughs> we'll just fall down a hole rather like Smallfoot Turbo and Scooter did. Yeah. So are this they, hand belongs hand. to... A man with robotic appendages. Strange he's, man indeed. He's a cyborg. He's a cyborg. He's a proper cyborg. Yes, yeah. he's a proper, proper cyborg. cyborg. He, he also has the and he has an eye robotic patch. eye. Oh, but that's just an eye patch. Oh, that's just an eye yeah. patch. The Master Renegade's eye has a weird iris thing that opens and closes, and it can shoot energy beams out. Of course. The last engineer, as this person turns out to be, uh, just has an eye patch. I can't believe we missed and forgot about this because it's like the pivotal point of the episode. No, wait, wait. So he's got robotic arms, yeah. robotic legs. Half of his head is robotic, but they couldn't be bothered to replace the damaged eye, so they stuck an eye patch over it. <laughs> yes, I see nothing wrong with that at all. Why is it tricky? <laughs> it's Dr. Arkerville. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm- laughs> 
I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the episode. So there's an episode of the Transformers where they have a character called Dr. Arkville who's taken to Cybertron and is made into this robotic monstrosity. And yeah. he gets exactly the same treatments that the last engineer has. And it's actually, thinking about it, it's, apart from the wild hair, it's pretty uncanny. It is. But this is the last engineer, conveniently, right where they always were in the first place. No one ever noticed this, apparently, in all the centuries that he's been asleep. No one's ever thought, there's a weird compartment down here with a person in it. Maybe I should check that out. So now they've found the last engineer, Cycle announces to all the Guardians that they've captured Leader One, and before the day is over, he will be disassembled. Yeah, and he announces it to them on the underside of his spaceship. So he's flying his spaceship over and a big video screen appears on the underside of the spaceship, which we've never seen before and is obviously used for these special occasions. And his big glowing face and his horrible yellow teeth appear. I just, I, I really can't get over those teeth. <laughs> and Leader One's got yellow teeth as well, hasn't he? It's just, oh, oh. But yeah, but that was quite cool. So they want to rescue Leader One, and to do that, they have to get to the prison moon. And at this point, Sparky appears. A new character pops up, another female Gobot, who used to work on the prison moon, so she helps to get them there. But when they arrive, Leader One is in the disassembler, which is a big circular thing with a dome and a chute over the top of it. And as they turn it on, it starts to spin around. Then yeah. it spins faster and faster, and they can't stop it. They do shoot all the renegades that are standing there sorting it all out, but they can't stop it. And Leader One falls to pieces and gets sucked up the chute at the top. Yeah, this very much reminded me of 1960s Batman. In that I'm sure there's an episode... No, there isn't. There's definitely an episode where the Riddler puts Batman on a big spinny thing which spins him round and round and round repeatedly, and it speeds up and speeds up, and it's like the cliffhanger is, is it going to speed up and tear Batman <laughs> apart? Obviously not, because it's Batman. That would be a bit grim. For <laughs> it would be very grim. Well, but this, that's the thing about 60s <coughs> Batman. If ever any of their traps work, it would be unbelievably grim. <laughs> very messy. Very messy. I remember the one with the Mad Hatter, where he had this horrible line of machinery that would turn Batman into a hat. And if you ever actually saw, saw that in motion, it would be like, oh! It would put sore to, like, <laughs> to shame how horrible it was. Yeah. Um, did you think this was a good way of disassembling Leader One, or was it just... It, it kind of reminded me of a ride I used to work on. <laughs> the, pe people, people paid money to do that. <laughs> he spun round and held in place by G-Force alone. So Leader One has been disassembled. Two other renegades turn up, and is there going to be a fight? Well, no, because it turns out that the last engineer also has blasters in his fists, so he blows the renegades out, and they run away. But there, there is a brief moment where Scooter accuses Sparky of being a, a renegade. There is, yeah. Because her method of getting into the prison moon involved going through a tunnel that was dug by one of the inmates, which leads into a cell. So the Guardians accuse her of being a renegade because they've, they've led them into a cell with a tunnel that they can easily escape out of. <laughs> and which, if you think about it, must have come from a cell in the first place. It was dug by one of the inmates, because why else would they have dug a tunnel except to get out of the cell? But never mind. But when they ask how they're going to get out of here, she just blows the door off with her uh, hand blaster. <laughs> yeah, I really thought she'd have a key. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't occur to any of the others to try that, apparently. But the last engineer thinks he might be able to save Leader One, because all the parts get loaded into a pod and shot into space. Yes, they always put the parts they disassemble into deep space, 
which sounds really horrible, but actually makes it very easy and convenient to go and collect them all. It does. So they basically catch the pod with all the bits of Leader One and bring it back to Gobatron. The last engineer arranges to get some circuitry from the modifier, and Scooter distracts a couple of renegade guards. So here we are with a, a standard trope in all television series, really. The useless, easily distracted and led away from the thing that they're supposed to be guarding guards. Yeah, how does Scooter distract the guards? He uses a holographic version of himself to insult them and run away. And so they run after him. And then the other guardians corner them and keep them occupied while the last engineer grabs the circuitry that he needs. Yeah, I'm shaking my head in shame at just like, ah, holograms again. Anyway, no, well done, Scooter. Good work. Except, unfortunately, the real Scooter is found by one of the renegades who has the wonderful name Buggy Man. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> he turns into a dune buggy. That is probably the most imaginative and interesting name we've had so far. And he chases Scooter off. Sparky goes to Scooter's aid and manages to rescue Scooter. But because they're under a lot of time pressure, the others don't have time to wait for them to get back. So they scoot off to fix Leader One. And Sparky and Scooter are left behind on Gobatron. Yeah, so they're split up. I don't know what you mean about time pressure. This thing goes on for an hour and 40 minutes. There's loads of time, so I don't know why anyone's worried about the time on this. They've managed to get the parts of Leader One. Mm. They've managed to get the circuitry from a modifier. Now they've gone to another modifier, apparently, and the last engineer has made some modifications to the modifier. Yep. And they press a few buttons and feed in all the parts of Leader One. Now, this is one of those parts where the idea of the GoBots as human brains in a robot body actually seems pretty grim, because there's his head sitting on its own, with the rest of his body piled up around it. And the brain is obviously inside that head. Yeah. (laughs) The human brain requires the whole human body to work accurately, with the exception of some appendages. You need the lungs, you need the heart beating, you need the blood flow, and so on and so forth. And for a human brain to exist just in the head, then all of the life support systems must be in the head. But that makes the head very vulnerable. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Do you want to? Uh, do you have any thoughts on a human brain in a robot body under these circumstances? It doesn't necessarily need to be in the head. Oh, okay. That's a thing I've always thought about robots. Yeah. Whenever they have a humanoid robot, they take the head off because the brain is in the head. Yes. Why don't you stick it in the middle of the torso under lots of armour plating where it's safer? That's that's what I would do. <coughs> okay. If I were an evil scientist who was going to turn somebody into a killer robot. Yeah, because for the purposes of human evolution, the reason we have the... Uh, I'm going to go for this three points in. The reason, <laughs> the reason we have the brain in the head is because it's connected more closely to the sensory apparatus we have in our head, such as the eyes, ears, mouth and nose, and that creates a single unit for sensing what's going on in the world, and that gives us an advantage. If the brain was in the stomach, then the sensory units would be further away, but that's not necessarily a problem if you have circuitry, where you can route things to work more accurately. My God, this is going to be a podcast. Okay, carry on <laughs> with the GoBots. With the GoBots, they press a few buttons and the tray of components slides into this modifier and out the other end comes Leader One. <laughs> Back together again. Microwave Hooray! meal, Leader One. <laughs> He's all very happy and everyone's delighted and Turbo gives the last engineer a huge hug, which really has to hurt. But suddenly Leader One says, what happens? And a familiar voice says... 
The same thing that's about to happen again, except this time, we're going to disassemble all of you! Crasher and Fighter, they found them! <gasps> yeah, unlike when Turbo came through and he felt like a new bot, when Leader One goes through, he's in an absolute state and is unable to help them in any particular way, which is a bit of a shame, really, because you want Leader One back on form, don't you? Yeah. Instead of which, he just collapses. But while Fightor and Crasher are busy laughing at this, Turbo picks up a random piece of equipment and hurls it at them, and then transforms and drives through them to clear them a way out. But... There are other renegades outside, but never mind, because the last engineer has a plan. It, he does. <laughs> he does. It is a cunning plan. A very cunning plan. It is, yes. What is his plan, Well, he, it turns out that the room that they're in is not a room. It is a cunningly disguised spacecraft, and all the last engineer has to do is some engineering, and he presses a few buttons, and then a control chair kind of forms around him and various bits start to seal off and then a few more buttons get pressed and some dials get twisted and the room turns into a spacecraft and takes off yeah. and hilariously it takes off next to a gun emplacement manned by two renegades who go whatever it is we can't let it get away they fire off a few shots and then whatever it is got away <laughs> <laughs> I think that's deliberately Damn. hilarious, isn't Foiled it? Again. Yeah. Deliberately hilarious. Yeah. I, but I did like that a stupid number of control panels open when he presses this button. It's like you've got a control panel coming out here and there and there and there and everywhere. It, that was quite cool. And also, the plot twist of this room is actually a spaceship is, is one that I didn't see coming, I have to be honest. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't telegraphed or... There's no Chekhov's gun associated with this whatsoever. It's just, aha, press a button, boom, there we go. Spacecraft. <laughs> spacecraft. But... It's not a very good spacecraft. Well, it does the job. It gets yeah. away, it yeah. goes into hyperspace. There is a cool special effect of like a, an outline of the ship being echoed yeah. as it goes into hyperspace. Very 80s. I, very 80s. Very 80s, that, very, that effect. Very yeah. 80s. I love the hyperspace effects. I thought yeah. they were really cool, uh, yeah. particularly when they're actually in hyperspace, when you can see all the sort of different coloured rainbow lights flashing past them and all kinds of stuff going on. I thought that was great. Crasher reports that Leader One has escaped, and Cycle, of course, is what well, we disassembled him, didn't we? Yeah. yeah, but they put him back together again. Well, that was a bit of a waste of time then, wasn't it? <laughs> but never mind. We said, but, but here's the twist. They're heading to Earth, and Cycle is like... But that's the next planet I plan to conquer after Gobatron. The humans mustn't be warned. You've got to stop them. <laughs> and so Crasher and Fighter fly into a thruster. They see Copter and Tank and order them to get on a thruster as well and join them. And those two thrusters chase the last engineer's ship into hyperspace. Is this where, this is where we get the cool hyperspace chase, isn't the it? The cool well, hyperspace yeah. chase. Because, hyperspace chase. Yeah. Yeah. And... <laughs> Yeah, because you can't manoeuvre a big ship quite so easily in hyperspace. And Turbo happens to have stowed away on one of them as well with Copter and Tank. So he zaps Tank, which causes one thruster to fire on another. And oh. they end up crashing and falling out of hyperspace. And it's all a big, big mess. But yeah. Turbo has been knocked out and captured. I like that because having a good guy push a bad guy to shoot another bad guy is exactly the sort of thing I did when I was playing with my robots when yes. I was a kid. Particularly when I, I used to get, we used to play Transformers and He-Man and stuff with my cousin. 
and one of the main things was, oh no, I've accidentally knocked your aim and now you've shot your friend. Ah. And then my cousin would get very annoyed because he was having his own battle. <laughs> <laughs> and this wasn't fair. And how, how dare I interfere? And uh, yeah, we used to fall out over that. So that was kind of fun. Everyone used to fall out when you play the games of these things. Like yeah. when I was in school playing the game of the GoBots or the Transformers. I'm going to be Optimus Prime. No, it's my turn to be Optimus Prime. You were Optimus Prime last time. You're always Optimus Prime. <laughs> I'm going to play Megatron. And this time it's the episode where Megatron wins. <laughs> Steve, did you have such similar experiences that you can recall? Or were your yes. playtimes very nice? No, no. I, I, um, I did do the whole... You know, I'm going. Well, I, I was I was a bit too old to play Transformers or <coughs> GoBots, but when I was younger, where I grew up, we had the most fantastic playground. I grew up in Dover, so we had Dover's Western Heights, which is absolutely riddled with 18th and early 19th century tunnels and forts. We've got Dover Castle. Yep. So I grew up, and that was my playground. Yeah. So. The Western Heights and, and, and the trenches and the tunnels would become some alien fortification on some weird planet and there'd be Daleks and Cybermen. So my playtimes were more aimed at, at around Doctor Who and Star Trek rather than Transformers because I was a little bit older when I started watching Transformers. Wow. So I didn't really play Transformers games. I just yeah. collected the figures. With what sounds like a much better setting than actual episodes of Doctor Who as well. <laughs> well hey, there was one in Dover Castle. Yes, there was. <laughs> Dover Castle was used as a jail. It was actually Constable's Gate that yeah. they showed. Could you get right up to Constable's Gate? Yes. Oh, wow. Cool. Yes, yeah. it was at one point the main entrance into the castle. Yeah. If you were visiting, they've since moved it down to St. James's Gate and mm. that's where you can now go in. Fantastic. There we go. But I uh, never had the opportunity to play GoBots at no. Dover Castle. Well, maybe we'll go to Dover Castle and we'll play GoBots Let's ourselves. Let's do it. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the, the games I play now, it's it's, it's there, there are a lot of weird and wonderful shaped dice involved. And, mm. you know, let's roll for initiative and, and hope you don't roll ones. Yeah. I, well, generally speaking, we just roll for it, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Transforming first, of course. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> our kids just LARPers. Anyway, no, carry on with the GoBots, please, before I go down another rabbit back, hole. Back to the GoBots. So Turbo's been captured by Copter and Tank, and they drop him off at a captured Guardian Command Centre, which is being used by the Renegades to imprisoned guardians ready to be disassembled. Yes, I really liked this. I really liked the damage with lots of holes in it, command center that had obviously been shot up and they were using it as a prison ship. It was actually, it's kind of depressing. It's kind of like, ah, oh, no, these guys have got us in a prison ship and it's, I don't know, it's kind of nasty. That I, I like that aspect I, I think I like it. I like this whole thing about these last two episodes because essentially what has happened here is the bad guys have basically won. Yeah. They've trashed most of the command centres. They've commandeered another one. So they've really come out on top here. And most of the Guardians are being imprisoned or they've been mm. shot on Gobatron. Then Leader One gets back to Earth. He says, Smallfoot and I were the only ones to escape. Yeah. And a cycle was in prison at the, himself at the start of the episode, wasn't he? So, and now yeah. he's conquered Gobatron. Yeah. This is where you also realise that Gobots is not a Hasbro-owned franchise because if... If Hasbro had owned the licenses, they would have released a battle-damaged command centre, which would basically be just a command centre with a set of stickers. 
(laughs) (laughs) that you would have paid an extra like 20 quid on top of just you know (laughs) so you buy a command center for 50 quid or you buy a battle damaged command center for 60 quid and all you got extra was a set of stickers that you put on it to show that it was battle damaged because cannot did that with an x-wing Oh, the battle damaged X wing. Yes, X-wing. yes. <laughs> I, th- I think that was the one I had actually. Oh, blimey! I know someone who's very familiar with buying repaints. Yes, and actually, I kind of love buying repaints and different versions. You know, I, I, yeah, they're expensive, but to have to have a command center and a command center that's a bit dingy and put them next to each other, I just I, I find that idea <coughs> quite appealing. Anyway, yes. So the command center is trashed and it's full of. Guardians who have been taken prisoner. Yeah, but Scooter and Sparky have managed to get to the command centre through a weird series of things that I'm not going to go into now. Or ever. Or ever. (laughs) (laughs) And Scooter uses his holographic technology to plug himself into the command centre and convince the Renegades that it's about to blow up because the engines are overloading. And so the Renegades all leave and Scooter and Sparky take over and release all the prisoners. Yes, that's right. They trick them and release all the prisoners. And then they've got a command centre which they can then take to Earth. And that's really good for them, isn't it? It is. Who are the prisoners? Can we name any one of the prisoners? Do we recognise anyone here? Uh, Pathfinder was in there. Easy, yep. The robot, uh, the Doctor one. Uh, Rescue. Rescue. Oh, well done, yes. The Doctor one. Uh, Wrong Way, one of the helicopter transformers, and Flip Top, one of the other helicopter transformers. Those are good names. I like Wrong Way and Flip Top. Wrong Way and Flip Top, good names. We had to, I I thought it was Flip Flop, actually, I'm (laughs) sorry. Flip Top. (laughs) And they had a blaster as well, before the transformers had blaster. Yeah, blaster was uh, one of the the go-bots there as well, yes. So, that lot are heading for Earth. Crasher and Fightor have followed them to Earth because... Although their plan to stop the last engineer from getting to Earth has failed, now they have to find out what the Guardians are going to do so they can report back to Cycle and warn him that they plan to do something to stop the invasion. Yes, they say that about seven times. We must warn Cycle about this. And they just, they don't get around to it. Yeah. It's a very poor showing from Crasher. But she she has a great laugh, so I'm going to let her off. Fantastic laugh. But on Earth, the Guardians have joined up with Unicom. Yeah, and and the head of Unicom... Is very exciting, isn't it? Who's the head? Can you remember who the head of Unicom is? I know who he's voiced by. I can't remember his name. It's General Nichols, Newcastle, Newcastle, General Newcastle. He's voiced by Brock Peters. Brock Peters, who was Admiral Cartwright in Star Trek Four and Six. Yep, and Joseph Sisko in Deep Space Nine as well. <sighs> And I and it's like as soon as I heard that voice, I thought I know that voice. I yes. can hear that coming out of someone's head. And yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I've only seen him in the Star Treks, and he's one of these characters. He's one of these actors who you absolutely love. Who's got such a distinctive voice. And General Newcastle is absolutely, you know, it's Brock Peters straight away. It's yeah. really exciting. He doesn't do much though, which is not so exciting. Mm. Outside of Star Trek, one of his more well-known movie roles is in To Kill a Mockingbird. He is the uh, gentleman who is defended by Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, wow. But who cares? That's a bit highbrow for this. We're talking about GoBots. <laughs> Sorry, about transforming robots. And Leader One is testing a new power suit, which gives him increased speed. And I, I always think they're a bit generous calling them power suits, because they just appear to be a box that you can stand in with a visor in front of it. What sort of a power shoe box? And the power suits were, in fact, made as toys. 
Oh, were they? But okay. they were not made to fit the characters that they were shown on the cartoon as fitting. And, in fact, you had to be quite forceful to get some of the GoBots into the power suits if you wanted. They didn't quite fit as well as they should have done. But never mind. But, yeah, it, it's revealed that, that apart from Leader One's power suit, there are three other power suits bringing the total to four. Now, I nearly said something about this, but I thought I'm, I'm not going to say it for two reasons. One, in case I'm wrong. And secondly, if I'm right, then I've just dropped a spoiler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, don't drop a spoiler I'm not going to drop yet. a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think actually, normally I say, oh, who cares about spoilers? It was years and years ago. Given that GoBots hasn't had a DVD release, is not available on YouTube, and you had to track down a VHS and transfer it for, to DVD for us to watch, I think GoBots is rare enough that I would actually lean back from doing spoilers. Mm. Yeah, It has been released on DVD, but it's very difficult to get hold of. Mm. And it's also expensive to get hold of. Plus, I wanted the VHS for nostalgia value as well, because it was yes. one that I had as a kid. Um, <laughs> and I was amazed, actually, because it came in the same box. It was the, it was a 30-year-old VHS, and it played beautifully. I mean, the picture quality was pretty mm. damn good, wasn't it? Yeah. There wasn't I... any interference or tracking or tracking line issues oh, or anything oh, like yeah. that. It was brilliant. So whoever owned the VHS before I got hold of it, they're never going to hear this, but I want to thank them for taking such damn good care of it because it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, and I just, I just want a moment of love for the logo that appeared before <laughs> <laughs> the Cobots cartoon started. Was it Vestron? Vestron video. Vestron video <laughs> with a lovely V and a very eighties bit of do 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 electronic music. Yeah, oh, it yes. was very, very eighties. Yeah. When you see them doing 80s stuff on Stranger Things or modern 80s kind of uh, synthwave kind of stuff, this is exactly what they were referring to. It is spot on with the purple mm. and the flashy lines. It was great, yeah. So, But meanwhile in the GoBots. Meanwhile in the GoBots, Psykill hasn't been idle during all this. He wants the Master Renegade to modify his weapon to work on humans, but he needs a triadium crystal from Antares Three to do this. Uh, I like. I know it's a kids' cartoon, <coughs> but as soon as they said, "I need a crystal to do this," I was just like, "Oh, not again!" <laughs> Freaking crystals. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> not a colonium crystal. Not a colonium crystal. No, no Zyton Seven or No Zyton Seven or <laughs> any crystals. No time crystals. Time crystals. <laughs> dilithium. No dil dilithium. Not dilithium. Triadium. Yeah. Contron crystals. Contron crystals. Yeah. Anyone listening to this is going to be going, oh, yeah, what? Eh? Oh, yes, I know those ones. No, no, no you've lost me. Yeah, no, I just expect people will go, oh, yeah, dilithium, I know that one. Dilithium, no dilithium. <laughs> so the Master Renegade says, well, Scorp and Vamp, those two monsters that we met earlier who didn't get named until now, uh, won't deal with anyone except for him. But Psykill decides that he's going to modify a captured Gobot to a monster that they'll accept on Antares 3, and they make Pincher. Uh, yeah, this the, I have a thousand questions. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so these are bug monsters from an alien world, and there's two of them. And he makes a third one, obviously, because there's a toy to sell. Yes. 
But how do they even know the other? Uh, no, okay. Actually, I'm not even going to ask my questions. Carry on. No, it, it's a, it's a, it's a fudge. Yes, it's a fudge. Psykill sends Pincher to Antares Three to get the Triadium Crystal, and as soon as he comes back, he's going to attack Earth. Pincher. <laughs> and on Earth, because of these new power suits, the Guardians quickly find Crusher and Fightor and capture them, yeah. and drop a load of rocks on top of Destroyer, who turns into a tank. So what are the various powers of the fight? Four? Five powers? I counted power. five. Four. Four. <laughs> How so did you count five, Steve? <laughs> Leader one was increased speed. Yep. Turbo was the increased turbo was fire increased firepower. Smallfoot was... All the sensors All the sensors and scanners and, scanners and, scanners and everything else. Yep. And, and Scooter was... Telekinetic powers. Yeah, telekinetic powers. And I really loved when they turned the sensors on and they could hear Crasher and... Fightor. Fightor speaking yeah. from across the way. And it just came up on their sensors. So, oh, yeah, we've detected them. There and actually... Bad guys over there. Yeah. But they capture Crasher and Fightor and they put them through a machine called a Brainstormer, which doesn't sound like a very Guardian-y thing to have. But basically it confirms that Psykeel is planning to attack Earth, but they don't know when. So they decide, right... We're going to be preemptive about this and we're going to attack Rogue Star ourselves. And Leader One, in his wonderful leadership, brings the humans. <laughs> Basically, they turn up at the command centre and say, you can't go without us. Sorry, it's too dangerous. But you need all the help you can get. Oh, all right then. <laughs> well, that was pretty much it. That was that, it. That, that was he it. Didn't, but, he, that, didn't, he didn't you know. argue. He didn't try and dissuade <clears throat> them. He didn't say, no, look, guys, really, this is going to be far too dangerous for you you are human you are made of soft squishy stuff you could get hurt you could die lots of bad stuff could happen to you i'd really not take you i know you really want to come but just this this once listen to me it was literally no you can't come but we really want to i'm all right then <laughs> yes just sign this consent form. I'll take you wherever you want to go. Sign this waiver that says you won't hold me responsible if your organs get splattered across deep space. That's it, isn't it? Because he, he obviously records the conversation and he says to them, okay, you can't come, it's really dangerous. Or we really want to go, okay, not my fault. I warned you. I, warned I didn't you. warn you. Don't say but, I didn't warn you. Exactly. <laughs> they have two advantages on this attack on Rogue Star. Three, in fact. One is that Psykill thinks he's won, so he switched off the stealth field. So what? Rogue Star, this massive ship, is just approaching Earth quite happily, not bothering to hide itself or anything. The other two advantages, first of all, they've captured the stealth device from the Renegade Thruster that they found earlier on, which enables the command centre to disappear, with which they plan to stage a fake assault on something. They're going to attack Rogue Star, then disappear, and hopefully they'll think that they're going to Gobatron and they'll send all the thrusters away off chasing this invisible command centre, but actually they're just going to stop yeah. and attack Rogue Star. The other advantage, which they don't know about, but actually does tip the battle in their favour, is that the Master Renegade has got a bit fed up with Cycle and decided to try and take over and actually manages to shoot Cycle and stun him. Yes, we saw this in a recent uh, an episode of Transformers we watched recently, Atlantis Arise, where a, a small human is able to take down a giant robot with a small handgun. Take down and, several giant robots with a small handgun, in fact, yeah, including fact, Optimus Prime. They're all, uh, but uh, even in the GoBots, they're terrified of this small handgun. You know, he's pointing it at people and saying, oh, and he shoots Psykill and knocks him down, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. <laughs> at that point, Psykill, tank, copter, and screwhead 
<laughs> Sorry, can we just have a moment's laughter for Screwhead? Screwhead. <laughs> Joe, you know, what's his head shape like? A screw. Yes, yeah, a screw. giant drill head screw. But just before he we turns into something that looks like the mole from Thunderbirds yeah. with a giant screw on it. Yeah. Hmm. But something I did notice: the Renegade's spaceship is called Rogue, Rogue Star. Star. What is it with the evil guys in these programs having the really cool names for their ships? <laughs> the Decepticons ship, that's that's Nemesis. Yeah. And Rogue Star. They are really, really cool sounding names. The Autobots just get the Ark. <laughs> yeah. And the Guardians have the command centre. <laughs> the but problem that I've got is that I because of all the eighties cartoons that I grew up on, I can't hear Rogue Star without doing it as Rogue Star which is more Brave, Brave Star, Star. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's also uncharacteristically Rogue Star looks very organic and really cool. I was very impressed with Rogue it, Star. It does Rogue look a bit Star like a awesome. ship has been built round an asteroid. Yeah, there, there, there is what appears to be this huge, great lump of rock in the middle of the hull. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I may be completely wrong and completely going off on one on this, but all the other ships look like they are designed by a Western animation studio. But Rogue Star looks like an Eastern, a Japanese or Korean animation studio because it's got those kind of odd lines. <clears throat> it's got a lot more detail to it, and it just looks better and more mm. interesting than some of the basic shapes we get with the uh, with the other ships. It doesn't quite fit in with the aesthetic of all the other ships that we see, does mm. it? It looks slightly odd, mm. but that makes it stand out and be even more awesome yeah. because there's nothing else like it. It just looks incredible. I love Rogue Star. It's great. So the Guardians do have a slight advantage, but Pincher has turned up with the Triadium Crystals and Scorp and Vamp. Pincher. <laughs> okay, uh, yes, yes, and they've got the Triadium Crystals, and that lets them use a special weapon. What does a special weapon do? It fires lots of nice, funky, circle-y things that zap people, and uh, there's a, a marvellous bit where they go, oh, take evasive action, and then you just see them sort of all as one just rise up out of the top of the frame. <laughs> so, well, that was... Not as fun as the bit earlier on, which I meant to mention, where the Master Renegade, having shot Smallfoot, says, one more step and she gets in. Every bloody Guardian on there takes one step forward before addressing him. And it's like, no! What did he just say? Yeah. I, I always wonder... Do you think that might have been the animators having a bit of a laugh with that one? <laughs> that, oh, that's hilarious. But anyway, this ship is... Causing problems for the Guardians. Turbo tries to attack or stop the weapon by shooting it himself. Instead of which, it just bounces off. And when he tries it again with a double dose of firepower, it bounces off and hits the command centre, which causes Sparky to fall into the stealth device and smash it so the command centre suddenly appears right next to Rogue Star. At which point, by now, Psykill has woken up, shot the Master Renegade, this is such a poor showing for the GoBots, isn't it? They're not doing very well at all. Why not have a stealth thing that doesn't fall apart if one of the GoBots crashes into it? Oh, God. No, okay. Well, Don't go down there. In, but anyway, in the defence on this yes? one, this stealth device was taken from a thruster and hastily yeah. attached to a command centre to okay. provide a quick advantage. Fine. So the fact that it's... But at the, beginning of, at the beginning of the episode, they hastily attached a stealth device to the... Spacecraft that Psykill and the others were escaping in. 
that got shot and didn't work properly. And Psykill and... Fightor. Fightor were in the cockpit of their spacecraft, which was filling with smoke, and they were choking to death. Yeah, all right. Maybe the stealth devices are just crap. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it interesting that none of us can remember Fightor's name? Of all the characters. I, I did notice it, it kind of got slightly mispronounced every so often. Sometimes it was Fightor. Yeah. Sometimes it was Fightar. And then it was Fighter. Yes. <laughs> depending on how urgently people wanted to get Yeah, depending on where you are in, in, in the film, in the episode yeah. as well. So, Psykill zaps the Master Renegade. Now, here's another thing that the GoBots does more than the Transformers. Generally speaking, all the uh, shots that they fire actually connect with their targets. You get a lot of GoBots being shot by other GoBots, but most explicitly, the damage is done is temporary. They're basically stun beams that mm. they seem to use. Yeah. Because they also shoot humans with them, and they suffer no ill effects after a while. That is... Being as deeply embedded in Transformers lore particularly in the G1 cartoon, seeing a, a human being get shot by one of the giant robots is a bit upsetting for me <laughs> <laughs> because I, I always assume that these, okay, these weapons, right, the most damage anyone ever receives in the G1 cartoon is an injured shoulder, which happens a lot. Until the movie, anyway. Yeah, until the movie, when it's just blood everywhere. I don't know what happened. I, we'll discuss that one day. <laughs> but I think that it, to see human get shot is quite quite it's quite weird it's like oh no you don't shoot the humans that's that's like one of the golden rules that you actually you want to uh, in the transformers they make it very clear that they want to steal the energy and they're not about killing humans but in the gobots they don't seem to have a problem with it do they no not really but the command center is now in trouble because it's revealed and rogue star is firing on it cycle has ordered all the thrusters back from their wild goose chase to gobatron AJ sends an SOS. I'm not surprised. Meanwhile, the command centre is being blasted by Rogue Star, and the Guardians in their power suits are not doing terribly well. Smallfoot gets distracted by uh, sensor readings about the command centre and gets shot by this weird energy weapon. She falls towards Rogue Star. Leader One swoops in and rescues her. Then he gets shot because he's too busy concentrating on holding her up. They both fall towards Rogue Star. Then Scooter uses his telekinetic powers to halt their fall and bring them back up. But Hang then on. he's so busy concentrating, he gets shot, and they fall onto Rogue Star. They're falling in space. Can you just elaborate, please? No. It's a cartoon. <laughs> they fall in space. Rogue Star is so huge, it has its own gravitational Thank form. you. That'll there do. We go. That'll do. <laughs> so the Guardians are in real trouble. The command centre is being pounded. Three of the guys in power suits have crashed on Rogue Star, what might happen now? A spaceship arrives. It does indeed. Cycle recognises it as the last engineer's ship because it's supposed to be the same one we saw earlier. It's not. I don't know whether it's because it was animated by different people or what, but basically this is an entirely different looking ship. This one's <laughs> red and blue and white and looks nothing like the thing we saw earlier. But on its own, it manages to take out the ship that shot down all the other Guardians that's got Pincher, Scorp and Vamp on it. Yes, are they dead or are they fine? They escaped. They escaped, escaped. good, pod. good, thank you. And then the last engineer says, now it's time to finish off Rogue Star and the ship rocks, or oh, maybe not, because all the thrusters have suddenly reappeared and they're firing madly at him. And then he sort of flies away and everyone's very confused. <laughs> Is this the bit where we get all the shot of like the spaceships flying towards the screen and there's hundreds of them all just like that's the dropping one, on yeah. each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's the one. That's weird. 
Carry on. <laughs> so, how can they possibly get out of this? So the last engineer basically reveals that this, this spacecraft has a secret ability. And it, it, I think it involves some more button pushing and dial twisting. It does. And it is revealed that the other four power suits can merge... Combine, I think, is the word you're looking yes. for. Yes, <laughs> I, I was going to avoid the combine bit because of another franchise. So, so these these power suits can merge, combine, connect to the last engineer's starship. They can to and create form a giant robot. A giant robot. Now, I just want to say at this, I loved this moment watching this with you guys just now because I knew this was coming. I'd seen this years and years ago. I knew all about it. I knew it was coming. But when we were sitting watching it and the four power suits flew up towards the ship and the ship unfolded a couple of little legs and a couple of little things, both of you went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I love that. It was, it was a great moment because I think... These episodes would work better as standalones. We might come back to this later. But for suddenly for that to happen and them to pull that out of the hat and it's it's probably more Voltron than the later Transformers combiners. But every time something combines, there's an extra frisson of excitement always. Absolutely. And it turns out that this Power Warrior is incredibly powerful. It immediately blows up a thruster with one shot couple of thrusters fire at it. It generates a force field and deflects the fire down onto Rogue Star. Yep. Psykill is panicking and orders them to... Destroy that thing before it annihilates us! It shoots down three more thrusters that crash. He can't believe this is happening. <laughs> that is pretty much how he's... Exactly I can't has... believe it! I don't believe it! <laughs> <laughs> yes, an antecedent of Victor Meldrew, no doubt. Indeed, indeed. But as, as Screwhead points out, they're losing! Yeah. And so Psykill orders him to activate the stealth field and get us out of here. The battle is lost, but the war goes on! Just in case anyone thought this was actually the end, no. And Rogue Star and all the thrusters just vanish, and that's the retreat. And I bet you didn't time it. <laughs> were, you, were you satisfied with this as a retreat? Was it uh, a decent ending, do you feel, or was it not quite? Yes, I actually thought it wrapped up very nicely. Yeah. And, and as Jason pointed out at the start of this, this story actually takes place at around episode 41-ish. 41 to 46, I yeah. believe. So it, it went on to go for another 20-something episodes. So, because there, there, there there's 65 episodes mm. in, in the run of, of GoBots. So although it didn't seem to have the popularity that the other Transforming Robot franchise got, it did manage to go 65 episodes. Yeah. So it, it, there's, there's more to discover, there's more to learn. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's obviously another, 40, another sixty more, episodes. In yeah, fact. a lot more to this this mm. series that we we have probably barely scratched the surface on. Oh, indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This appearance of the Power Warrior is one of the things that goes towards the weird continuity of the GoBots because. This is very clearly the first time the Power Warrior has appeared. The power suits are new, they're being tested. Psykill doesn't recognise it, nobody recognises it. Everyone is surprised, including you guys. I love but, that. But Sorry, you, that is going to live with me for a long time. You are about... you both go. But in the series as it's run, 
the Power Warrior Courageous has appeared several times in the series already okay. if you watched it in transmission order. <laughs> so this is why where they say that this bit makes much more sense if you transplant it as episode 6 to 10 rather than 41 <laughs> to 46 because these things are introduced but they've already been seen earlier in the series. Mm. So, uh, By the way, Jason, 1 hour, 42 and 13 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steve. You nerd. Uh, you, you've listened, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that Steve has been timing the bad guys' retreats every episode, and I'm glad that he did not let us down on this occasion. <laughs> I, it was a tough one because it did come out of the blue for me. Yeah. Well done on getting that timing. Uh, there's a, one more scene at the end, isn't there, where they come back to? Is it they come back to Earth? They go back to Gobatron. Gobatron. Because yeah. now that this has happened Gobatron somehow has been liberated don't ask um, <laughs> and so they just say well it's the last engineer and the last engineer says oh I just did what had to be done none of us can rest until Cycle and the Renegades are no longer a threat and Leader One closes the episode with the inspirational quote together we can't lose yeah. <laughs> you don't sound inspired Steve <laughs> it's not as inspiring as till all are one <laughs> well, the, the problem I have with that is that well why do I watch another episode because I know the good guy GoBots can't lose <laughs> they just said they can't lose but uh, okay okay I'm sorry I'm be you're pulling a face Jason and I'd like to apologise because you always know the good guys are going to win Steve. yes I do I do I do. well actually watching the Transformers movie I'm not so sure um, but I think this uh, yeah, yeah, okay. It could have been a stronger speech, but it is fine. It is great, and it is a high point to end the episode on, particularly after this five-episode extravaganza, nearly two hours of GoBots, which uh, I, I enjoyed some of. And, uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. He's still not switching allegiance from Transformers to GoBots, which is fair enough. Transformers is the superior franchise, as yeah. is evidenced by the fact that Transformers is still going and still making new toys and new new series and new movies and GoBots hasn't done a thing since 1986. But oddly, watching it, I was thinking, I'm not enthralled by this. This is not a winner for me. And yet now I'm thinking about it and thinking, oh yeah, Crasher, oh yeah, Loco. It's, it's kind of got under my skin in an odd kind of way. Well, Hasbro own it now. Yeah. It's it's Hasbro property. I think Bandai still owned some of the license, but Hasbro pretty much have GoBots as well now. Yeah. And they keep turning up in the Transformers franchise in odd little ways. Yeah. So I know, know there's a comic strip where Psykill turns up fighting Megatron. It's set way back on Cybertron when Megatron was still a gladiator. And they have very recently released a toy called Crasher, which is an F1 car based on a previous Mirage mould, which is hard to get hold of, and I would buy it if I got the chance, but uh, there we go. <laughs> so GoBots <clears throat> kind of lives on in odd, interesting ways, doesn't it? It does. It's one of those sort of... I wouldn't go as far as to call it a cult or anything like that. It's not that obscure, but yeah, little bits of it here and there. But it was a big part of my childhood, partly because... I had several of the toys and I had this VHS and I watched it loads and loads. Partly also because back in the 80s, the only Transformers that were ever shown on telly were the first 16 episodes, Series 1, repeated over and over and over again. But we got the entire GoBots 
cartoon. So I think I probably saw more GoBots on telly than I did Transformers, even though I saw the same Transformers episodes repeated over and over. So I do still have some memories of old GoBots episodes. Similar to Transformers, I have no idea why I missed the whole of the GoBots. I should have lapped up every episode. I should have been watching it because that kind of thing would have delighted me. But I just missed it, and I don't know what club my mum was sending me to that meant I missed it. Was it Badgers? Was it football? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it, it passed me by. And I did have a couple of the toys, and they didn't appear in the Transformers comic, which was my first love, so I don't have that kind of emotional attachment to them. But it was still exciting to see them in this cartoon. Particularly that bug one, which I'm sure I had, but I have no, like, I can't put that memory together. <laughs> I'm going to have to look this up on the internet at some point, aren't I? Mm, yeah. oh, I think yeah, you probably so. are, yeah. But good, no. So o overall, do you have uh, any other comments? Not really. Okay. I, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a good, fun watch. Yeah. It has, it has kind of left me wanting more, though. Oh no! Yeah, it's worrying. <laughs> Tough luck, especially knowing that there isn't any more. <laughs> well, you... not without spending fifty quid on Amazon, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you spend fifty quid on Amazon for the DVD sets. So uh, yeah, but yeah, for me, GoBots is very much a part of my childhood. I had the, I had a load of toys. I had this VHS, the GoBotron Saga. I watched it on telly. I loved it and I really enjoyed revisiting it because sometimes you can go back to things from your childhood and look at them again and you think, yeah, actually, this is really, really rubbish. <laughs> I don't know what I saw in it when I was a kid. It's awful. But for me, this one actually stood up and in some respects, the plot in this held up better than some of the Transformers episodes that we've been watching lately. <laughs> it made a lot more sense. It did seem to follow reasonably linearly. Yes, and it's and it's an epic storyline told over several episodes, over yeah. five episodes, which you don't get with Transformers. The most they manage is three, I think, except for the Five Faces of Darkness, yeah, which is just five episodes of rubbish. I hate that. It's hate that. it's not a good one at all. Can't um, wait to get to it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and so it's the second time they've told a story over five episodes because the yeah. first story is five episodes, then this one is five episodes, and so yeah, and I think it held together pretty well, I think the individual episodes work on their own quite nicely, but I think as a movie it, it actually held up very nicely so I really enjoyed it and I particularly enjoyed watching it with you guys so thank you guys for coming over and watching it with me, and thank you Steve Walker for joining us on this edition of Robots in Your Eyes, I'm sure we will hear from you again. Thank you for having me, I really hope to join you again. Well in that case all that remains is to say thank you for listening to Robots in Your Eyes, I I've been Jason Thompson, co-hosting with Stephen Alexander and Steve Walker. We'll be back probably next week with some other Action Packs cartoon. But in the meantime, I really should have thought of something to say at this point, shouldn't I? <laughs> but in the meantime, go bots! Go! Go bots! Go party! Go! 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 No, we're not using that. <laughs> Forget it. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> That was Robots in Your Eyes. You can find us on Twitter at Robots in Eyes, or you can email us at robotsineyes at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to give us a nice review and comment on the podcast app of your choice.